So when people ask me, you know, why I'm so passionate about the Equal Rights Amendment, it's because I don't like people not having the opportunity to do just based upon what color they are and the gender that they are and gender identity and because they have a different affectional orientation. All of that stuff is junk. It's junk because God doesn't put those kind of parameters on us. You must remember that when the Constitution was written, that women were regarded as property. The struggle for an equal rights amendment traces back to 1923 when feminist Alice Paul wrote the words that became ERA. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. So as we march today, remember, Forward together, backward never. If you could change one thing about the Constitution, what would it be? I would add an equal rights amendment to the Constitution. Today, the House of Representatives cleared a hurdle to make the Equal Rights Amendment the 28th Amendment to the Constitution. The House voted to remove a deadline for states to ratify the amendment, which would guarantee women the same legal rights as men. Hi, I'm Kate Kelly, human rights attorney, feminist, and advocate for the Equal Rights Amendment. And this is Ordinary Equality. So far, we've covered the Equal Rights Amendment's birth and death, and now it's time to talk about its resurrection. Following the passage of the 27th Amendment, which we covered in last episode, ERA advocates created a new three-state strategy. The basic premise of that plan was to get three more states to ratify the ERA, bringing the total up to the necessary number, 38. At the same time, the movement would work with Congress to try to get rid of the original deadline they tacked on. A plan is all well and good, but passing the ERA would require leadership on the ground with the power to get this in motion. Today, we're talking about the leader who did just that, the multifaceted, rejuvenated ERA coalition, and how the Me Too movement helped spread the word about lingering fundamental legal inequality to a new generation. The legislator who really got things going anew is a woman named Pat Spearman. Pat, like most Americans, believed that the ERA was done. As a newly minted senator, she had been in the Nevada legislature for just one session when she received a call. So when I heard about equal rights, I, mean, I knew it, I knew it didn't, it wasn't ratified, but I thought that was the end of it. And when Jeanette Dean called me and she said, she said, Senator, she said, great job last session and you did a, a lot of things. And she said, so next session, will you carry the bill to ratify the ERA? I said, what? Isn't it, isn't it dead? She said, well, no, not exactly. We just need three more states. And Nevada's one of them. I said, wow. Okay. I said, yeah, sure. She said, listen, this is what I'll do for you. She said, I'll make sure that I have an, a lot of people standing with you to try to get it done. She said, and I don't think it's going to be easy. And I remember saying to her, you think it's going to be hard? And she said, yeah, yeah, it will be. I said, the Equal Rights Amendment, it's going to be hard. She said, yeah. And she started talking about some of the things that people were saying and, you know, the same old thing. And I'm like, that stuff was back in the 70s and 80s. And come on, y'all. 
Pat's sister was right. It was hard. Nevada was one of just 15 states that didn't ratify back in the 1970s. But Pat put a bill into play in 2014 for the 2015 session. She immediately got pushback. I started getting calls from people, Democrats and Republicans. I thought this was dead. No, it's not. We're going to get it ratified in, in Nevada. And then I started getting all kinds of crazy things written on Facebook. You know, and I, I don't, if I start reading a post and it's crazy, I just, you know, delete it. I'm like, I don't have time for this, not in my life. At this point, the Nevada legislature was controlled by the Republican Party. Still, Pat didn't think passing the ERA would be a problem. The chair of the necessary committee scheduled the bill and she expected it to move forward. Those expectations proved a little too optimistic. And I do my little intro speech and then people come up and they testify for it. And she says, well, you know, anybody here in opposition and these people, you know, come and they sit down front in those front two robes and droves. And I'm like, what? And, you know, they're saying things like, this is going to mean that women are going to lose their social security, their husbands, and women are going to have to pay alimony and women, you know, will, will be forced into combat. And they start saying all of these things. Well, these are the things that I figured they were going to say anyway. And this lady comes to the, comes to the table and she does this with a straight face. So I'm thinking she's going to add something to this, you know, voluminous opposition, something credible. And she says, you know, I was reading a book in the encyclopedia. And I'm like, a book in the encyclopedia. Okay, we haven't had that for a minute. So what are you getting ready to do here? I'm thinking this, right? She says, and there are over 470 some sexes now. And she said, she said, that's right, 470-some sexes, all of them, and, and different things. It's not just, you know, gay and lesbian, and that. I said, but it's 470-some sexes. And I'm just afraid that if this passes, it's going to mean that women are going to be able to marry the Eiffel Tower. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and she's crying. I mean, real tears. And I'm thinking, where in the world is this craziness coming from? And then I said, you know, this is one of those things that I know will pass. Okay? This is one of those things I know we're going to get. Because the arguments are not just capricious, they're facetious. And, I mean, where do you get that from? The bill didn't pass that session. It didn't even make it to the floor. Still, Pat was determined to move forward. This certainly was not the first time that she had encountered and chose to fight systematic inequality. As a Black, queer, veteran preacher, Pat has faced unequal societal norms since childhood. And then it took me back to the first time going to Nashville, Tennessee. And we rode a bus from Columbus, Ohio to Nashville, Tennessee. Every time the bus stopped, we never got off. I remember my mom saying, come sit right here with me and don't get up. And she prepared a, a lunch, you know, chicken and some potato salad and bread. But we didn't have anything to drink. And so when we finally got to Nashville, I am, I am thirsty. And so my mom is standing out there. She's getting the, the luggage. And I said, Mom, come on. I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty. Can I, go, can I go get something to drink? And she said, she said, go in there and get something to drink and come right back out. Well, I'm at the door and I'm pulling the door open. You know, I'm a little kid and I'm trying to pull this heavy door open. And while I'm pulling the door open, I see this white guy pass by the water fountains. And 
one of them, you know, he snorted and then spit in it. And I was like, oh, oh. And so I knew I didn't want to go to that one. Um, got the door open and I walked inside and I went over to the water fountain and I had just put my hand on the water fountain. And my mom grabbed me from the back of my, of my, my shirt. She just yanked me up. And she yanked me up so hard uh, that I almost hit my face on the, on, the, on the water fountain. And I said, what, what? And she said, you can't. And she was angry. And this was the kind of anger, you know, her fists were clenched, her teeth were clenched. You cannot do that. Are you trying to get killed? And I'm thinking, killed? I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just want some water, Mom. What, what, what? And she said, come here. And she said, you're in the South. Do you see that sign there? And I, I said, yes, ma'am. Do you see that sign there? Yes, ma'am. Well, this one sign, I could read it. It said white. And the other sign, and I'm, you know, getting used to phonics, so I said, colo red, colo red. I said, what is colo red? What is that? And she said, it's colored. I said, uh, she said, that's what we are. We are colored. And I'm, but I just wanted, she said, you cannot do it. And I didn't understand that. And I didn't understand it until I got much older. The prejudice continued when Pat joined the military police corps. I get there, and it's obvious that they don't want women. They certainly don't want black women, okay? The very first day of class, very first day of class, this guy, uh, one, of the, one of the instructors walks around the whole classroom. Mr. Hughes walks around the whole classroom. And he talks about the things that we're going to experience, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, I want you to look around this room. And when it comes to graduation, some people are going to be here. And then he leaned over in front of me and said, some people are not. And I looked at him, and I turned to Jerry, you know, who was sitting next to me, Jerry Barnett. I said, oh, he's not talking about me, Jerry. And Jerry said, I think he is. I said, no, 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 he's not talking about me. And I just remember trying to get through military police basic, officer basic course. Nobody was going to kick me out. I was going to make it. So while some of the white guys could do push-ups and it'd be one, two, three, four, you know, during our PT test, I'd be one, 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 one. And, you know, sometimes if I had to do 30, sometimes I'd wind up doing 70 push-ups just so they would count the 30. And, and whenever, you know, the run, when I came in and I crossed the finish lines, something was always wrong with the stopwatch and it didn't stop in time. And so it was always one of those, you know, you're running and you just, you just barely made it. Um, but I didn't quit. I didn't quit. And so when I put all those things together, it's, it's, it's the fact that, you know, what happened to me in Nashville, Tennessee, it's about what happened to me in the military police corps. It's about what happened to me as I struggled with who I am and who God made me. Many facets of Pat's identity go against what our society, her church, and our country's laws historically deemed acceptable. From the color of her skin, to her sexual orientation, to her gender, she's fought continual uphill battles. That's part of the reason she was so driven to ratify the ERA. So when people ask me, you know, why I'm so passionate about the Equal Rights Amendment, it's because I don't like people not having the opportunity to do just based upon what color they are and the gender that they are and gender identity and because they have a different affectional orientation. All of that stuff is junk. 
is dumb because God doesn't put those kind of parameters on us. So when the ERA didn't pass in Nevada the first time Pat tried, it was obvious to her to keep pushing. When we were denied the chance to really get it to the floor and get it for a vote, I, I said, to the, said to the women who were there, people were in the halls crying. They were like, Senator Spearman, what can we do? And I'm looking at the faces of these ladies. You know, one lady says, you know, it's been, it's, it's been more than 50 years. She said, because I've been, you know, I was, I was part of the, the feminist movement and we moved. She said, and, um, and another lady um, who came, she was sick and she had someone to drive her like 35 miles from her home because she wanted to come t testify with the ERA. And I'm looking at these women and, and they're talking to me about their ages and they're like, I just want to live long enough to see this. I said, listen, I will promise you this. I'm up for re-election. And I had, to, I had to tell them, I said, I'm, I'm up for re-election. But when I get back next time, this will be one of the first bills that I'll introduce and we will get it done next time. Pat ran for re-election on a platform of equality. She openly made the ERA part of her 2016 campaign promises and won. And she was not the only victory. Democrats had flipped the state legislature. Pat argued it was high time that Nevada take a stand on equality. ERA ratification was one of the first bills that the new leadership put on the agenda. You know, we went around, you know, everybody made the statements and there were still some of my colleagues that were like, you know, this is going to lead to, you know, more abortions. And there was my colleague that at the time that sat in front of me talked about taking out the garbage and, and how his grandson took out the garbage and, and everything. I'm like, where is he going with this? Three or four of them said, all of this is about symbolism. It's just, and I don't know why we're wasting the people's time. The people sent us here to, to get a job done for them. I said, okay, so it's about symbolism. And so when you say that, you're trying to cheapen the whole notion that symbols mean something. Symbols mean something. And then I went through the, the piece about every day when we come into this chamber, we have a prayer. Someone from a faith community comes and they stand there, you know, at the lieutenant, lieutenant governor's podium and they say a prayer. And after that, we all turn and face that thing over there, which that thing is the flag. And we say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, its stars and stripes, red, white, and blue. And to the republic, wait for it, oh, for which it stands. Did it ever occur to anybody that the flag is not the United States of America, but it stands for that? Did it ever occur to anybody that this is a symbol? I have a cross on because I am a Christian. The cross lets people know that the leader of my faith was Jesus Christ. Someone else may have a star of David. Someone else may have moon. Somebody, they, all kinds of things. And, and oh, by the way, uh, those of you who are married, I need you to lift your left hand. I need you to look at that symbol on, your le on the left hand on the third finger. But that's not your wife sitting on your hand. But it says to people, I'm married. That is a symbol. So don't talk to me about symbols as though they mean nothing. Symbols mean something. They are important because they point to something that's bigger than us. It points to something that we believe in our hearts. And the symbol is simply a representation. Not representation. It is a re, listen to me, a representation of what I believe. That's, that's what, what it is. And so symbolic, call it symbolic. So today, we will pass this legislation as a symbol that we here in Nevada 
are done with discrimination. We here in Nevada do not believe that anyone should be treated unequal. This will be the symbol that will say not just to Nevadans, but it will say to the world, we're done with your hate and we're done with the discrimination. Pat won. The ratification resolution passed. And the gallery erupted. They were like, and they were crying and they were screaming. I heard some people, oh God, I live, I could see it, I could see it. And I'm looking up there and I'm seeing one of these ladies who, you know, just two years ago was in the hall crying. And she must be 85 now, you know, and she's, she's just looking over the balcony and she's wiping tears from her eyes and she's waving at me and I wave back. And I said, yeah, we got it done. We got it done. We'll be right back after this message. Have you ever considered therapy? Do you have a good therapist right now? Is there something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I think everyone could benefit from having a professional mental health counselor. I know I do. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating with them in under 24 hours. It is professional counseling done securely online. This service is available for clients worldwide. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Visit betterhelp.com backslash equality. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Ordinary Equality listeners Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com backslash equality. Historically, many have seen the ERA as a white women's movement. That's no accident. In previous episodes, we've discussed the problematic and racist decisions of leaders in the movement, including Alice Paul. That is certainly not the case with the newly resurrected ERA. In every state where a new push for the ERA is taking place on the ground currently, North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, Utah, that push is being led by a woman of color. But there is a scripture in, um, in the Bible that says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. And the the cornerstone is that stone by where everything else in the building has to line up to. They they measure the walls, they they measure the angles, the floor, everything has become the chief cornerstone. So they might have left us behind then, but we were not left out. And I believe that the God of the universe looks for left out, left behind, lost people to get the work done. Because we know what it feels like when we are rejected and dejected. We understand what that feels like. What happened to me in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that the instructor in the first day of military police officer, I'm glad he leaned over and said, you know, in, intimated to everybody else that I wouldn't be here. I'm glad that he did that. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that in religious circles that I was marginalized. Listen, you know what? You really had to be blind. 
not to know who I was. You know, I was in a glass closet, all right? It wasn't, it wasn't like I was in a safe, you know, in a vault. I was in a glass co- closet, okay? So, so, so all of those things fuel my passion. So, you know, women of color, trans women, marginalized people, God is using us because we are the stone that the folks rejected. And now we are the chief cornerstone. Getting the Equal Rights Amendment ratified in Nevada, my name is on the bill. But behind my name are hundreds and thousands of women who worked and worked and worked to get to that moment in history. And, and people who held out hope long enough, long enough for me and others who supported it to get there. The modern day ERA movement represents a diverse coalition of people fighting for equality across genders. Trans rights used to be an argument against the amendment by the Phyllis Schlafly's of the world. They used it as a scare tactic. Now, those fighting for the ERA are largely united in saying this amendment will extend rights to trans people, some of the most vulnerable members of our society. And that's a good thing. Here's Charlotte Clymer, press secretary for Rapid Response at the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBTQ civil rights organization in the country. When I came out of the closet and you know started presenting as a woman and started experiencing things that I had not experienced before, especially in regards to discrimination and sometimes violence, unfortunately. Um, It became very personal for me as a right of survival. The Equal Rights Amendment is ensuring that someone like me, um, not just a woman, but specifically a trans person, will have those protections under the law and not be just exposed to violence and discrimination that is so pervasive for not only the LGBTQ community, but specifically trans people, and more specifically trans women and non-binary people. Um, So the ERA is not just about ensuring half the population is protected against these horrible, horrible aspects of our society, but also ensuring that smaller marginalized communities, especially LGBTQ people, especially trans people, receive those same protections. It's really important not to gloss over the fact that the ERA movement has not always been accepting of people of color and the trans community. We need to remember the past in an effort to build a better present. Charlotte talked of the women who were not always so welcoming in the past. I think the vast majority of equal rights amendment advocates have made it intentional to ensure that trans women are recognized as women and that we are protected by the goals of this movement. I think that there are some women who have been fighting for ERA for a very long time. And what they've been told uh, is that there is a struggle that is essential to women who are assigned female at birth. And when I look at the trauma they've experienced and the pain that they've experienced, I can't help but sympathize with the frustration they must feel at having that narrative changed over time. What I would tell them is that I respect them as our leaders in this movement. I respect them as the people who have blazed a path for everybody. And I would tell them that trans people have existed forever. We've existed for as long as there's been recorded history. We go back to ancient Greece, to Samaria, to the Middle East. Uh, We bridge all cultures, races, religions, every country, every region, every dialect, every 
every aspect of global culture, you'll find a trans person. And most of the time, you'll find them being openly trans despite the violence and discrimination they face. So what I would tell uh, these incredible, amazing women who have been just um, just brilliant leaders for equality in our nation's history, um, that we are facing so many of the same obstacles. And it's not as though we woke up one morning and decided that, oh, you know what, I think I'll opt for this, this so-called lifestyle just because it looks fun. I tried for 30 years to do the right thing and do everything that I was supposed to do as someone who was assigned a male at birth. And I find it didn't work. It just did not work. I was miserable. I was suicidal. And it wasn't until I got the help I needed and talked to a great therapist and you know worked throughout through all these issues, which was a long period of transition, let me tell you. It was a lot of talking to very smart people who have been here. And at every moment I resisted, I thought, you know what? No, I'm I'm not I'm not this. There's just something else I gotta work out, and I'm almost there. I thought I could cleanse myself. And isn't it interesting how often women who are assigned female birth are told that they need to cleanse themselves of certain things, of ambition, of intellectual uh, curiosity, of personal agency. I think that trans women and cisgender women have more in common with each other than any other groups in our uh, wide spectrum of humanity. Charlotte is an incredible advocate and has been actively driving the ERA forward. She also helped amplify another cause that reignited discussions about gender equity across the country and the world, the Me Too movement. So it was right around the time when the news hit about Harvey Weinstein, and I was having a really tough time with it, um, not only because, you know, I had seen so many of my brave friends come out and fight for what was right and the pain that that was inflicting on them. But also just because I I was on a show that he produced and I sat next to his wife for like five years straight. We did Project Runway All-Stars together. That's the one and only Alyssa Milano, actress and activist. And so I was having a really hard time balancing how to be like supportive um, to the victims, Harvey's victims, but also be supportive to Harvey's wife, who I felt was also a victim. Um, it was hard for me. And I was laying in bed and I was staring at my my beautiful little girl who was three at the time. And I just got this this overwhelming feeling of sadness, um, knowing what women have had to go through throughout history, knowing what I had gone through in my life. And I just, I just started crying looking at her. And just then I got a DM from Charlotte Clymer, um, who actually sent me the screen grab of what was in my original tweet. And so I attached that on, you know, and she said, there's, this is going around Facebook. I don't know if there's something that maybe you feel like you can do with it. So I was like, well, I'll give this a try. So I attached the screen grab to a tweet and um, basically just said, if you've ever been harassed, abused, or assaulted, reply with the words, me too. Alyssa sent the tweet, closed her computer, and went to sleep. When she woke up, 
she had over 35,000 responses. And within 24 hours, the hashtag had been used 12 million times. Within, you know, 48 hours, it was like, you know, it doubled that. And I knew that something miraculous had happened. Alyssa connected with the founder of the original movement against sexual harassment and abuse, the incredible Tarana Burke, and the Me Too's kept coming. Eventually, Alyssa had to think about what next. After about, I don't know, maybe six months after I sent that initial tweet, I started getting the question of like, well, what happens now? What, what's next? What, what do we do now? And that's when I started really researching the women's movement throughout history and realized that like, you know, 80% of Americans, that women are not protected in the Constitution. And read about the Equal Rights Amendment, and I thought, well, this seems like a no-brainer. This is what should come next. Um, and, uh, you know, I had, I had learned of and read of the amazing work that Pat Spearman did in Nevada. You know, she basically brought this back from, from the dead. And, uh, you know, that's that then became my evolution of Me Too, my focus uh, became about not only all of the other important things that we need to do, um, especially in in well in all industries, but there's something about my industry because it is not a normal industry because we work crazy hours because we're expected to go to hotel rooms to audition for things. It's just not your conventional industry. Protections for industries are vital. The protections for my industry are not only vital, but also a little trickier. And so, you know, that became a mission. And also um, it became abundantly clear that all of those problems that I fight for as far as industry standards goes um, would be uh, helped by the Equal Rights Amendment being passed. Um, so then it just became, you know, using my platform in whatever way I possibly could to raise awareness for the ERA. If you've been listening for this long, you know that the ERA movement started long before Me Too. That said, the political events of the past few years, the rhetoric and allegations of sexual assault of the president and a Supreme Court nominee and the Me Too movement, to name just a few, underscored the pressing need to add equality into the Constitution. But I do think that, you know, if we're going to look at any bright side, because I am an optimist, of this Trump administration, it is that women were horrified that someone said that he grabs women by the pussies was actually elected to the highest office in the land. And I think that that put us into hyperdrive and also made us more conscious of the fact that we are, in fact, more oppressed than it seems. And so I think he was the one that started it all, really. And then to see, as soon as the Republicans had a little bit of power, to see them systematically try to strip back our rights, if there was 
ever a time to ratify, to get this passed, it is now. The Me Too movement brought the pitfalls of the de facto ERA we've previously discussed into clearer view and refocused efforts to get the real thing. The facts on the ground stood. Nevada had ratified, making a resurgence of the movement not just hypothetical, but eminently possible. Now, just two more states were needed to meet the 38 threshold necessary, as well as eliminating a congressional deadline that killed the ratification efforts in the 1970s. Next time on Ordinary Equality, we're talking about the two final state ERA ratifications, Illinois and Virginia. We'll talk about how they happened and the characters who drove the story. The coalition is broader than you might expect, from personal identity to political party. Ordinary Equality is a Wonder Media Network production, edited and produced by Liz Smith, executive produced by Jenny Kaplan, with support from Edie Allard and Louisa Garbowit. Our theme music was composed by Rachel Wardell. Special thanks to my employer, Equality Now, an international human rights organization that works to protect and promote the rights of women and girls around the world. To learn more about what you can do to support the ratification of the Equal Rights Amendment, check out equalitynow.org E-R-A. To follow along with our journey, find us on Twitter at Ord Equality, O-R-D Equality. If you like our show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Wonder Media Network is a women-led podcasting company dedicated to lifting up underrepresented voices based in New York City. History happens every day, and if we dig into the past, we'll find out there are tons of stories worth telling. Every day, host Eves Jeffcoat shares a slice of history from around the world. Hear about the mystery of the Mary Celeste, a ghost ship discovered adrift and abandoned, but full of supplies. Learn the story of Shaka, a legendary conqueror and king of the Zulu Empire. And you might even find out something new about a topic you thought you already knew everything about. From the small events that mark turning points in history to discoveries that changed the world, each day in history has a story that may just surprise you. The best part is each episode is only a few minutes long, so they're perfect for a short commute, a daily dose of history with your breakfast, or even to binge if you need to catch up. Listen to This Day in History class to learn a little more every day. Listen to This Day in History class on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.